Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's Podcast, where it is all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me is... Your other host, Khalid Hussain. What's up, Khalid? Happy to be back with you. It's, uh... I'm excited. We got kind of a fun uh, out-of-the-box episode for us. We've been covering movies lately and stuff, but uh, once in a while, we like to bring in an interesting guest and just kind of do an interview, dig into the genre, dig into monsters in a different way. So uh, I wanted to jump right into it, Khalid, but but, but first, I do want to give us, uh, do do our little patron shout, if if you're willing. Uh, Yeah, thank you for teeing me up. So we've got uh, our Patreon now that uh, we, we, where we're posting what we call Franken Bits. We've already got a couple episodes up there already. We have some awesome patrons already. Thank you to those who have uh, donated so far. We really appreciate it. And for those of you who may be hearing about it for the first time, our Patreon will be for a space where uh, sometimes it'll be about monsters, but sometimes it'll just be a chance for us to stretch our conversational muscles, if you will. And we're going to talk about other things. And um yeah like it's 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 worthwhile honestly like for like a dollar a month you can be a patron and any amount that you can contribute is like super appreciated speaking for me and joe so um yeah go ahead go ahead and support frankenstein's podcast we're out here we're trying we're growing uh back to you joe yeah my uh my conversational muscles are are, are flexing hard right now so I'm, i'm i'm ready for it yeah, flexing hard in your new setup, the lab, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm in the basement now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It looks like thanks, thanks. for viewers at home, uh, like if you've seen The Dark Knight, it looks like they're little like when the Batcave is like being remodeled, so they have to go like work in like a Chicago parking lot. I don't understand what it was, but it kind of looked <laughs> like with the, the cool ceiling part of it. It looks like that. Yeah, it is the the being remodeled bit is pretty apt. I mean, the basement is is kind of a mess, but we're kind of getting it together. So, uh, yeah, it's become it's it's going to become the podcast spot. So, it'll be cool eventually, Khalid. The stewed, it's cool already. I hope you didn't take any of that as disparaging. Oh, thanks, pal. All right. Well, I'm going to bring in our, our, our guest, Khalid. We got uh, with us today is Shane Hawk, who is a history teacher and horror writer based out of San Diego. Uh, his short fiction has appeared in numerous anthologies and his debut short story collection, Anoka, is currently available. And recently he co-edited the indigenous dark fiction anthology, Never Whistle at Night. Welcome, Shane. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Great. How are you? Good, good. It's a little tired, but uh, I'm OK. I'm OK. So it's been a good week. Yeah, we're late night podcasters here. We're uh, we're always tired, so night owls. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a high school history teacher, so you know once it's around this time, um, I'm okay because I'm off tomorrow. But normally seven o'clock, I'm trying to wind down. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I'm I'm an elementary school teacher. I'm a fourth grade teacher myself. Oh yeah, so okay. That's I, that's what my wife you. teaches too. Fourth grade, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it, I get I get it. Teaching teaching's a lot. <laughs> it's a grind. <laughs> it is. Um, well, I am super excited to have you on. I'm going to be honest. I've actually wanted to reach out to you for a while now because you've been on my radar. I think maybe it was via Twitter, like a couple, like a year, a couple of years ago, when Anoko was first coming out. I'm not sure oh, if yeah. it was Twitter or not, but I uh, I saw this. I, like the 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 cover of it was really appealing to me because mm. I mean, just being like monster fans, I was like that is super cool art, and I like checked out the book, and I was a big fan. So I'm I'm glad to finally have gotten a chance to get you on the podcast and reach out. So thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was back um, in uh, October, 2020. 2020. The werewolf cover. Yeah. It's so cool. 
It's so Time cool. Flies. And we'll get into the book a little bit, but that story is really cool too. Before we dig into like your work though, I do have some new guest questions that we tend to ask every um, every new person on the podcast. So I will uh, I will go ahead with those. I sent those to you, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> so since we are a monster <laughs> podcast, I like to ask like, what's your favorite like monster or creature like in any corner of pop culture? It could be like myths or legends, could be movies, TV shows, books, what have you. And if it's not the same, what would you consider to be the scariest? Okay, so I've been thinking about this for a week, and <laughs> it's been real tough. Um, you know, since I'm such a big fan of both science fiction and horror, um, there's creatures, you know, <laughs> widespread in both. Um, but my favorites, <sighs> I would probably have to choose. Um, that's really tough. It's like kind of a tie. It's a tie between uh, werewolves. Okay. And the thing. Good choices. Good choices. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, for you're going to ask the scariest. <laughs> it's I would probably go with the thing um, because that, you know, I remember when I saw that movie for the first time, it gave me so much anxiety. Um, I think <laughs> I saw it with my dad when I was, I think, nine or ten. And um, it really preys on that fear that um are the people next to me really who they say they are you know or are they hiding things you know um and how it can just morph into anyone your your friend your closest um you know relative and then just devour you next <laughs> it just always freaks right. me out great points yeah the thing is great we love we, we did that a while back on the podcast too that's a it's a classic do you have uh like a favorite werewolf iteration from like a movie or something Ooh, um, surprise question. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, man, uh, I have a favorite transformation, I guess. Okay. In London. Yes. Um, American werewolf in London. Great choice. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> it could have been yeah, another London amazing. werewolf. <laughs> no, the that's, the only, that's the only British one. Um, <laughs> No, that it's funny because that um, that scene inspired the story that you were alluding to earlier um, in Anoka. Oh yeah, and I tried to kind of pull some from that. <laughs> awesome, yes, that's great. Um, all right, good, good answers, good answers. So, second question: um, We all kind of—I feel like we're all like geeky about something in our lives. So, what do you consider yourself most geeky about? What's on? What's on your geek card? What could you just like nerd out about for like hours? Um. Quite a bit of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely movies. Um, I've I've watched I don't know thousands of movies uh, multiple times too. Um, man, <laughs> really just movies. Um, like getting really into it, uh, different genres. Um, writing. I could talk to someone about writing for hours. Books. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I. I don't, I think not a specific topic, I guess, just in general, um, movies and books. I can just talk hours about whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but you're in good company here then. <laughs> yeah. We, really we too company, like yeah. movies and books. <laughs> One time yes. I told my uh, little sister that I was a word nerd and she just got visibly <laughs> disgusted. So yeah. <laughs> word nerd. No, that's a good one. I, I geek out a bit about etymology and um, looking into the history of of words and 
how they've morphed over time. I try to teach my my students about that all the time. And they're like, why do we need to know this? Well, it's fun. <laughs> I know. Because it's fun. Kind, yeah. kind of exactly. the bedrock of civilization, too, just being able to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, Shane, before we get into like questions about your work and stuff, do you want to, I know you mentioned you're a history teacher, um, right? Do you want to just like maybe give the listeners like a little bit about like your background, like what brought you to writing and maybe what inspires you to be a writer? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny. I can geek out about books and things like that. Um, I only started hardcore reading when I became like 26. Um, before that, you know, I only read a handful of books throughout childhood, you know, the common ones, uh, goosebumps, um, things like that. And then, um, I think school kind of killed that, I don't know, reading, uh, interest in me, um, because of all the analysis and just the teachers, the way they kind of treated me and stuff. Um, and then I don't know, 26, I made a lot of life choices, uh, a lot of changes and, I started reading, you know, 50 bucks a year, then it became 200, then 250. And then I always, you know, I'm always reading something in a different format at all times, whether it's audio, digital, um, paper, hardback. Um, and so that was like 2016. And I just kept reading, you know, I didn't think I was going to be a writer ever, to be honest. It wasn't like a childhood dream or anything. Um, but I came across a, a novella. Um, by Stephen Graham Jones um, called Mapping the Interior. And I read that in 2019, so three years into my kind of, you know, reading, reading, reading. And <clears throat> it really spoke to me. It, it felt like it was written for me. And it was spooky as hell. And it just, it was so good within such a short amount of pages um, because it's a novella. I think it's only like 120 or so pages. And from there, I was like, oh, my God, um, maybe I can try to do this. You know, he's native. I'm native. Um, you know, it feels like these characters are really familiar. You know, what if I tried my hand at this? Um, and I had a plan to release a short story collection um, like Anoka, but not yet. And then I entered the teaching credential program, and that kind of took all my time away. And the writer thing became like a back shelf um, kind of thing, back burner. Uh, then, you know, COVID happened and um, had all that free time. You know, if I wasn't playing Call of Duty, I was, you know, doing other things. And I started, you know, really brainstorming, okay, what if this is the year that I can do it? You know, everyone has their little passion project. Um, everyone has all this time off. Um, so I was like, okay. I want to put a book out into the world. What's it going to be? Definitely horror. Definitely maybe, you know, um, speculative fiction. Um, but I really wanted to lean into horror. And <clears throat> I noticed there's not a lot of indigenous writers in the in the genre space. There's, I mean, it's exploding now, so it's different. You know, it's four years later now. Um, but back then I was like, you know, when you think indigenous horror, you think of well, back then, mostly two names. It was Stephen Graham Jones and Al going back. You know, and now the field is r really expanding. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I'll tell the readers, the listeners, sorry, <laughs> that uh, I just jumped into it. I didn't know about ARCs. I didn't know about advanced reading copies. 
I didn't know about, you know, beta readers. I didn't know about drafting, about how much you're supposed to really put into it and all the time and stress and everything. And I did everything kind of backwards. So I, I actually commissioned the art for Anoka, which is a uh, really cool. I love it uh, to this day. Um, there's a big werewolf on there. It's actually, uh, um, it was made by just ink and paper. And then he um, scanned it and made it into a book cover. Um, so it's all hand drawn. And I commissioned that first. It was like July, 2020. No stories were written yet. <laughs> and I had the name, you know, of the collection, Anoka, because I had been doing some research on, okay, what are the spookiest kind of towns or cities around America? And I came across Anoka, um, which is essentially the Halloween capital of the world, as they call it, since uh, the 20s. And so I was like, all right, you know, maybe this, maybe this. And so I literally commissioned that cover and I put it on foam board and put it on my bedroom wall. And I stared at it every day and I started to write, started to get inspired by this artwork and this idea that it's in the small town and, um, you know, it's indigenous horror. And I just kept going, kept going. And it was, it was taken off. Um, it was actually going to be um, twice as large, the volume, but I actually lost, oh man, like 20,000 words or so um, when my MacBook crashed and I oh, couldn't no. retrieve the files. Yeah, it was pretty annoying. I don't know. Yeah, I took it to a professional. I don't know. And he couldn't couldn't do anything. So I was like, oh, okay. And I just didn't uh, jump into the writer thing again. So it was almost a repeat of 2019. I'll just give up on this uh, endeavor. And then I was really depressed for a while. And then um, I was like, okay, I have this up for pre-order um, <laughs> on Kindle, you know, before it's even written. Um, you know, I, I need to do this. I need to prove to myself I can do something. And so I got over, you know, being really sunken into my bed and I was like, okay, let's finish this. And so, um, I went into it. I was substitute teaching at the time. So I was in those COVID pods where there's like 11 kids mm. and they're all on laptops with uh, headphones and you have to kind of babysit. And I thought it would be more than that, but that's what it was. And so I was just on the keyboard going away. And I remember I finished Transfigured, which is the sixth, sto- the sixth story at the end, uh, about 20 minutes before it was due to Amazon. <laughs> and so I didn't have time <laughs> to really edit anything. Um, I was just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants, literally um, <laughs> pantsing it and um, turned it in. And... You know, I had, I, I got into a discord, um, that was all about writing and they were kind of, you know, rallying me on. And so I had like 20 pre-orders and so, you know, I made them happy. I really just thought it was going to be them and maybe a couple family members. Um, but it really exploded. So I did everything ass backwards, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, glad I, d- glad it did. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, uh, I feel like it took me only like like a day or two to really get. I mean, you sounds like you're a quick reader with like 200 some books a year or something. But like for me, like I'm a little bit of a slower reader. I I'm like mm-hmm. around like I don't know, 30 or something. But uh, I this one I breezed through really fast because the the stories were quick. Oh, yeah. the, like the pacing was like brisk, but like they're also just like really exciting. A lot's going on. Um, I think 
I'm trying to think which ones are my favorite. I think Transfigured is easily like a favorite because like the werewolf bit and like just the craziness of like where it goes um, towards <laughs> the end. Um, but I also like, uh, was it um, the Doppelganger book? What, which, what was that oh, one yeah. called? Imitate. Uh, Imitate. That was it. And the, the kid's name was Tate. That was, I thought, that yeah. was fun. I like your story notes, how you describe like the connection. I see what Imitate. you did there. But yeah 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 <laughs> so that was fun but uh i think like that one was really really gnarly with like some like body horror elements that you sort of pulled from like just mm. you know like being versed like with this podcast and like different kinds of horror and different kind of monster stuff and like cronenberg we've been doing recently a little bit of and so i was just like mm. that was calling to mind some of that so i really enjoyed that um i did I, my, one of my first questions you kind of already answered was going to ask you the inspiration behind the um setting of anoka which for me is really exciting i don't think i mentioned this to you but like i'm in i'm in the twin cities khalid is khalid's from the twin cities also he's in la now but we're both from minnesota so we know anoka quite well like i i I grew up i got cousins real close to anoka yeah really (laughs) yeah that's so cool um yeah i i started writing that and it was kind of funny it was kind of a secret project you know i didn't tell my parents about it really i just said hey i'm kind of writing some stuff and then, you know, once I was already, it was already sent off to Amazon, I kind of opened up about it. And um, <laughs> my mom and brother and grandma were actually kind of planning a trip to Minnesota because we have family up there. And um, I had no idea, but my mom was like, do you know I was in that Halloween parade like twice? And oh. it was kind of mind blowing because I didn't even know. She never told me about that. Um the rum river that I described in transfigured, my grandma loved going down that river in a kayak. I never <laughs> knew any of these details, but somehow I, <laughs> I read wow. a book about Anoka. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah. Wow. That is really, that's a really fun connection that you just like discovered later on. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. It's cool. And so like you kind of mentioned in the book a little bit, you touched on briefly, I think like the, so the, the, the tribes that are mostly in Minnesota, they got the Ojibwe, uh, Anishinaabe, and Dakota tribe, which um, you had, you said you kind of had to learn a little bit about like their culture when you're writing it too. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a it's a you have to go walk on eggshells um, when you're uh, getting into indigenous fiction because there's so many nations, so many cultures, yeah. so many languages, um, and. I'm not sure I would write a story in the future from a different nation's perspective unless I had, you know, like a team of consultants and friends I reach out to and talk to and have real discussions with. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and so um, I think what I sort of did is frowned upon. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't gotten, uh, can I curse on here? Yes, yeah. anytime you want. <laughs> I haven't gotten shit from people really. So it's kind of my, my, mostly in my head. Um, but I did a lot of internet research, um, reading from think pieces and, um, articles and stories written by, um, people of those tribes, not just, you know, uh, settlers that were writing about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read both sides because I did, uh, those lost stories. Uh, some of them were historical horror fiction, like dealing with railroads and, Mm -hmm. uh, how Anoka looked back then. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, so it was it was interesting um, doing that kind of research. And yeah, it's uh, <laughs> like I'm saying, um, 
you usually I say if you want to write about a culture, it, it's really it's really tough um, because I have a lot of people coming to me about different tribes, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like they enter my DMs or my email, and they're like, "Hey, can you give me permission to use this from a different tribe? You know, that's not Cheyenne Arapaho or Hidatsa oh. or Citizen Potawatomi." <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know what to say. I, I can't. I'm not <laughs> like I'm not like an not arbiter that. of anything." Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's tough. But yeah, even, you know, indigenous folks, you know, we got to deal with um, similar things within our own nations, you know, because we're all different. And so, you know, the whole thing, I was trying to be respectful. I don't think I stepped on anyone's toes. You know, it is horror. So there's bad things that happen to people, you know, within tribes or of descent. Um, but, you know, I haven't really gotten, I don't know, I haven't really heard anything negative, so. <laughs> yeah, and and you in your introduction too, I think you talked about like learning about the the cultures up here, and and I think that was it's it at least from a perspective as a reader, it felt very respectful and um, acknowledging like just like who who's on the land up here. Like I know I, I feel like growing up as a kid in Minnesota, like I would have never known that there was eleven sovereign nations here within our border, yeah. like when the state border. And then like now it's something that I like emphasize in my teaching, like with kids, like I think that's something that everyone should know. But like yeah. I know I think I just think like thinking about that, like, I think that it came off respectful and from the take of like us as readers, I'd say. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, just speaking to the intentionality of it all, you know, uh, within your story notes for Anoka, you talk about um, how you wanted to talk about themes that affect native communities. So uh, I guess I would love to hear you speak a little bit to like, you know, infusing things like, true crime, I guess, for lack of a better term, that has been mm. inflicted upon the Native community that you're writing about. Would you be able to speak to that? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I mean, I, it, it, you know, it's just, it's very interesting because like horror is such a great mm-hmm. tool for underscoring like the actual horrors of like humanity. Uh, so right. sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be like morose about it or I don't want like a morbid no, no. deep dive. <laughs> No, no, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many um, issues that I wish I could tackle more in depth with Anoka. Um, but I really, I didn't think anyone was going to really read it. <laughs> um, so I could have really went more in depth on a lot of things. Um, in, say, like the second story, Wounded, that's like, I think the longest story maybe. Um about this brother that thinks that, you know, he basically killed his sister because he kind of went to go drink and, you know, let his vices take over him and his um, sister got abducted and murdered. And I don't really, you know, I wasn't hand fisted about the issue, but really that was speaking to missing and murdered indigenous people, um, you know, namely girls and women. Um, And that's a big issue that's been kind of haunting us you know, across nations uh, for a long time. And it really hasn't let up. Um, and so I was trying to get into that without, um, it's really tough. Like when you're talking about these serious topics and you're using kind of horror as like this catalyst, this uh, this tool to kind of bring out social commentary, but you also don't want to be hand-fisted about it and you don't want to be careless about it. You kind of want to have to try to find a happy medium um, or sad medium. <laughs> Sounds like a also, tight wire, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then also not trying to kind of play into the stereotype that 
indigenous writers or, you know, um, creatives all lean to this kind of idea of trauma porn that, hey, look how bad our lot in life is and let's capitalize on that. Exploited. So I didn't want to go that way either. You know, it's really tough because people have different ways to interpret any art. And so say a sentence can throw them off and they can really, you know, go after you. Luckily, I haven't heard anything yet. You know, I'm open to criticism. Um, but yeah, I, I was trying to tackle quite a few issues, um, but also not try to paint like all of Indian country like that. You know, there's not everyone is an alcoholic. You know, that's a big trope that I constantly see in media. Um, but I do tackle alcoholism in uh, well, in Wounded and in Orange. Um, because that was kind of also me dealing with um, this book was kind of like, <laughs> it was kind of like therapy for me. I was getting out all these things that have been like inside me for years. Um, I was depressed for like a decade before this. Um, and I kind of like let it all out on the page and kind of write what you know. So, um, I lost my stepdad to alcoholism and cancer, um, 2016. And so that's kind of like that time when I started making like big life changes and that was a very rocky relationship. Um, and, you know, uh, different people on alcohol <laughs> react differently, but um, I was trying to tackle this, this kind of vice that takes over quite a few people and people that don't even really call themselves alcoholics yet. You know, it's, it's kind of so ingrained in American culture, the top, you know, over culture. Um, so I was trying to deal with how, you know, alcoholism can kind of change people and make them make, you know, terrible decisions, uh, moralistic questions. Um, and, you know, you can't really ignore the fact that um, alcoholism doesn't plague any reses or, you know, city Indians, you know, um, it kind of plagues a lot of people, you know, you don't have to be indigenous. So I was also trying to just kind of make it not specific, but kind of generalized in a way so that people can actually connect with it. Cause uh, that's a big issue that I think a lot of people can connect to. They have a family member that really suffers or themselves. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's definitely a tight wire. They get the walk. Thank you for sharing all that. Uh, apologies uh, for your loss. I mean, I know it was in 2016, but still, yeah. you know, that stays with you. So thank you for sharing all that. Oh, it's okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and do you think like you'll carry some of that into your future writing? Like not necessarily about like specific to indigenous peoples, but just kind of like using horror as like a gateway to like talk about these like deeper things that resonate with you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll bring out you know, all my life into my writing and, uh, you know, try to spread awareness about all sorts of things. Um, I think throughout this, the stories in Anoka, I think I'm, I can't remember cause I, re- I haven't read the stories in a long time, <laughs> but quite a few of the characters I think are depressed. And so depression and suicidal ideation are a big kind of <laughs> overarching theme in that, um, uh, that collection. And um, if you guys picked up Never Whistle at Night, um, my co-editor and me, we have a, <clears throat> um, 
what do you call it? Sorry. <laughs> dedication. <clears throat> ah, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning. And I actually uh, dedicated kind of my half of the book um, to my auntie. Uh, we lost her to suicide uh, last September. Mm. And so, um, so there's stories and there's things that kind of resonate through just all of our families. And it's kind of like the sorrow that you kind of carry with you. And um, I don't know, I've had this stuff with me for a long time. And that's why I kind of self-insert in, uh, I think it was Dead America. Um, it's like, is this sadness? Is this kind of curse in my blood? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I contemplate this all the time, you know, in my family. It's like, there's bad stuff happening all the time. Is it just kind of, is it hereditary? So I try to bring, you know, whatever I'm dealing with onto the page. And, you know, I'm not some kind of unique person. So I know that's going to resonate with someone. Um, and I think that's all you got to do is kind of write, write from your heart and write what you know. And I think horror is a really fun medium to try to tackle really tough issues. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a safe playground. Like that, those things aren't really happening. You're just kind of like in the sandbox. You're kind of like, what happens if this happens? You know, um, so you have that kind of safe distance. Yeah, uh, like Khalid said, thank you for sharing. And yeah, likewise, sorry for the losses there. But yeah, that's uh, fascinating insight into the process, especially. Yeah, sorry to bring the podcast down. <laughs> no, no, that's like fine. Sure. It's like genuine, of course. <laughs> yeah, that was, that yeah, was yeah. real. I really enjoyed that answer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, are there, just to bring it up a little bit, uh, talk a little bit more about yeah. the craft side of things. Um, mm-hmm. would you say there are like any specific mythologies or legends that you like to draw from when you're crafting these horror stories, like in the fantastical side of it all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, my story never was at night. Um, it's called behind Colin's eyes, which the listeners can go read for free on tour.com. Um, it was one of the kind of like early preview stories. Um, that's literally kind of a, a story that my dad told me. Not a story. It's a kind of, you know, real life. What happened with him and his dad or my grandpa Hawk. Mm-hmm. And I originally had a story about Bigfoot um, because my dad encountered one. And it was a pretty harrowing story. Um, and that almost made it to Never Whistle at Night. But my grandma kind of wanted me not to tell that one. And so what kind of ends up on the the page is sort of a shapeshifter story Mm. um, about this big elk that my dad was trying to hunt and, you know, they'd shoot it and it would never fall down. They never could kill, they could never kill it, kept following blood trails. And so I crafted a story from my own family lore, um, for that one uh and there's there's plenty of others that i'm exploring right now uh in arapaho uh stories little people you know not normal people with short stature but there's these creatures little people that um they kind of they're the stories of them are shared across the plains across different tribes but specifically to arapaho they're very mischievous they're very malevolent and they're about two feet tall or more, just, you know, two, three feet tall. And they just run around and terrorize people. They have sharp teeth. Uh, they're cannibalistic. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm going to be exploring that pretty soon um, in the story. Um, I'm writing my 
I'm not sure how much I could say. I'm writing <laughs> a, <laughs> I'm writing a, a screenplay right now. I'm working with a producer that's made two fairly big horror films. And the creature that I'm exploring is from Cheyenne stories. Um, and in English you say uh, two face. And so it's this kind of humanoid uh, creature that kind of, um, no one really knows how it comes out, like how it kind of gets conjured. Um, but it's about six, seven, eight feet tall humanoid. And it has a normal kind of, not handsome, but, you know, normal looking face up front. But on the back of his head is a very ugly, grotesque face. <laughs> and basically, um, he tries to make people look at the back of his head. And if you do, you know, depending on the story, there's some that say, you know, it'll just kind of make you frozen. You can't move kind of like this kind of sleep paralysis until he goes over there and takes bites out of you and you're dead. Oh, horrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there, there's some stories that like right when you see the face, you just die. Um, so people are just trying their best not to ever look at him. And it's kind of um, it plays on this kind of this theme of, you know, attention seeking behavior and, you know, you, you can kind of ignore things and maybe if you ignore it, it'll go away, but maybe not. And yeah, I've, I mean, I'm 33, so I have a lot more, <laughs> I have a lot more to write and I'll be pulling all sorts of uh, creature features <laughs> in the future. I have a lot planned. I'm so excited. Well, we That's, would love to hear more about that when you're able to tell us about it. Because already, just from yes. that, I'm like seated. I will get a ticket. <laughs> Super pumped. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Very excited. Yeah. Anytime you want to come back and talk about more monster stuff, you're welcome. Heck yeah. Uh, um, so you brought it up a little bit. I'm ex- I haven't checked out Never Whistle at Night. Um, that That's is okay. a new uh, anthology that you co-edited. And you said you have a story in that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, but that's also featuring a lot of other, um, like indigenous horror writers as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I think that's kind of a good segue. I was going to ask, um, where, like, where would you point? Like, I know, so we're, we're definitely saying, saying like your work is really great. The Neville Whistle at Light at Night is something people should check out. Where would you point folks who are looking to get more into indigenous horror, like from, you know, books, maybe movies or shows, even like recommendations that like you've been really drawn to? Yeah. Um, well, specifically horror, um, there's not a whole lot. Um, it's very limited. Um, but the one that everyone kind of goes to is Blood Quantum. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a zombie flick um, with a very interesting um, kind of twist socially, um, you know, with the premises. Um, I think it was exclusively on Shutter for a while. I'm not sure if it's on there anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm really sad. That's <laughs> bringing the show down again. <laughs> the the loss of Jeff Barnaby. He created that movie, and he was going to be a, I think, in my opinion, a really cool visionary for uh, indigenous horror. But um, yeah, we lost him. I think last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but for listeners, definitely check out Blood Quantum. And there's actually a story never was at night called Quantum by Nick Medina. Um, and that kind of tackles that issue. If no one knows about that is, I mean, a lot of natives are questioned by what percent are you? What's your pie chart? 
how much are you? Are you half, quarter, you know, 2%, like we're milk or something? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a real big issue uh, that I'm glad people are starting to <clears throat> speak out against. And a lot of tribes are kind of dropping it, um, but still some really hold on to it. Um, my tribe's included. Uh, I won't say, you know, I'm not going to act like they don't. But Cheyenne Arapaho, they still have blood quantum, so they, you know, have the the blood amount on your your ID. Um, but yeah, that's a very interesting movie to check out. Um, I wish there was going to be more from Jeff, um, but yeah, blood quantum for sure. Um, another one that's pretty cool is uh, Mohawk. It's from 2018. Um, Kenetio Horn. Uh, if you've ever watched Reservation Dogs, she plays Deer Lady. Mm. And oh, she yeah. was also, I forget her character's name, but she plays, she's like Tandis? a main character on uh, Letter or Kenny. Tannis or Tandis? Yeah. Tannis. Tannis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. So she's in uh, Mohawk, which I really recommend. Um, it's kind of a bloody revenge kind of um, tale. It's really worth watching. Um, and she actually, uh, I'm not sure how many, but. She narrated some stories for Never Was That Night. So that's, that's so cool. cool. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love her. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's awesome. Um, I get to meet her too. Um, I'm going to go to a Indigenous Pop X, which is like an indigenous comic con um, later this year in Oklahoma. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so I get to meet her and um, Sterling Harjo. And yeah, pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. One that's more, I would say, sci fi. Um, I would say sci-fi horror is Slashback. It's a mm. movie. Um, it's an Inuit story. I would say it's a little rougher on the edges, so give them a break. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's been on is, our radar to do on the podcast too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, monster cool. movies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good. I like it a lot. Um, but that's an Inuit kind of sci-fi horror movie. Um, that's good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um I mean, go into books or anything else. I mean, books, I think Stephen Graham Jones should be probably your first stop in indigenous horror. Mm-hmm. Um, mongrels, if you like werewolves, that'll really entice you in a different way. Um, it's kind of the way it's written, the narrative structure and everything. Um, Mapping the interior, the one that got me hooked into being a writer. Um, uh, the Only Good Indians, amazing. He won like several awards for that. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, there's there's just so many though. Um, I'm not trying to like plug my book over and over, but <laughs> like all the writers within Never Whistle at Night, pretty much they're all. Um, they all have works coming out, or they already have some. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them we kind of spark their career in a way. Um, that's what we we're trying to do. Um, because I'm not sure if you guys know, but the mission with that book was you know, have half of them, roughly half of them be established names. Mm -hmm. You already have books out there. They're known. And half of them were from an open call that they didn't really have a name out there. Uh, You know, maybe they were um, some short stories and stuff, but they had no books out there. And, you know, one of them was even published for the first time and never was that night, their first story ever. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. We're trying to, um, this was, it's kind of like my, my calling, I guess I was like, you know, <laughs> with Anoka, you know, where, where is everyone? You know? So I, I felt <laughs> this, this need to kind of get more indigenous voices into dark fiction. And that's kind of what we did. 
That's so but cool. Yeah. So, so Never Wessel at Night could be kind of a roadmap for folks looking for more like indigenous, like horror writers, like check out the names there and then just go from there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I love that. And um, yeah, just for another kind of like quick Google for the listeners, uh, Tiffany Morris, she's one of the authors in Never Whistle. And her story is also up for free, I think, um, on Gizmodo. Um, they hosted the her story. It's a doll horror hmm. <laughs> story. It's creepy as hell. Cool. Um, yeah. Classic for a reason. <laughs> Love a good haunted doll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She writes so beautifully, too. I mean, she just... I read an arc of her new novella, uh, Green Fuse Burning, which is eco-horror. And um, it was amazing. I wrote a blurb for it and everything. Really good stuff. I love eco-horror. Yeah, it's so good. That's fun. <laughs> um, kind of a conversely converse question to that. I think um, one of the things that just as a horror fan, I've seen sort of plagued horror in general is just like not great representation of indigenous folks like the like Indian burial ground tropes and a lot of haunted house things. Um, I've seen like even up to recently, I think like I was kind of excited for the movie like Antlers, which came out, but then that really centered like white people, right? Like that's yeah. a bummer. <laughs> that's cool about that creature one. design and stuff, but like, that's a bummer. Yeah. Like um, what has there been any like movies that have come out recently or something that you were like, Oh, I'm excited for this, but you're like, Oh man, they just really missed the mark. And there wasn't like an indigenous writer in the room or something. Ooh, um, I'll start with antlers real quick, just yeah. to kind of add some stuff. Um, I think it was Grace Dillon, who is a professor up at uh, Portland State University, who was the kind of consultant for that movie. And for all the internet stuff I've looked up and stuff and Twitter and all that, mm -hmm. uh, it looked like the director of the studio didn't really take a lot of her advice and stuff. Uh. And, you know, the director's cut is a lot different if we ever see that. But I guess the studio kind of took out a big old chunk of um, her advice. Um, so, yeah, I do agree with you. That really cool creature design. But then they kind of made an indigenous story about, like, white tweaker family. I don't <laughs> know. Um, I still try to like it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, dang. What was I going to say? Oh, uh, I was late to it, but the sequel to It. Mm. that one kind of shocked me <laughs> where they have the uh the whole like fake indigenous uh vision quest thing and like the the teepee and they're they're doing drugs i Oof. assume peyote and they have like a whole vision thing and um that was shocking and i think that was 2019 yeah um they kind of had a yeah a whole kind of slap in the face to indigenous folks kind of not not like directly making fun, but I think with the lack of um, the lack of tact, lack of um, I don't know consultation or something, uh, it was pretty offensive. Uh, kind of making light of uh, indigenous religions and practices. I don't know. It was kind of embarrassing, but I did kind of like that movie. Aside from <laughs> that stuff, um, I'm trying to think. It's, it's kind of funny because uh, the misrepresentation is kind of so ingrained and so like common. It's it's harder to think of <laughs> examples of like good things. I don't know, <laughs> like I, I, I uh, rewatch uh, Simpsons all the time. I, I'm a big Simpsons fan. I guess that's one thing I could geek out about. Uh, but like the first uh, episode of 
back when they used to call it the Halloween special before it was Treehouse mm-hmm. of Horror. Yeah. Like they literally go down underneath the basement and it's the Indian burial ground. There's a whole joke about it. And they have like gravestones down there. There's like Geronimo. And there's even like, they even make the joke of um, Mahatma Gandhi being down there. <laughs> oh, no. Like, Bro, oh, are you guys serious? Um, but you know, that's 90s humor. Um, we'll, we'll let that slide. I'm, I'm a big Simpsons fan. Um, but yeah, I'm laughing you, you at pick how it up like, wild that is. Like, in my it mind, they're. Like that's yeah, just I can imagine. I don't even remember that specific gag, but I don't doubt it either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, more recent ones. I I can't think off the top of my head, um, but I'm sure they're there. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> most, most most writing rooms can really um, benefit from you know at least someone indigenous. That's you know if you're entering any kind of topic like that, that kind of helps. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, we got one more question for you. Um, and then we'll kind of move on to uh, like our ending segment of the pod just to respect for your time and all. But uh, uh, Khalid, do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Um, so you gave us a good rundown of like cool um, indigenous based horror within books and movies and all that. So um, as like a writer who's like, kind of combing the legends of of uh indigenous horror uh are there any like deep cuts that us fans who maybe are like familiar with like the wendigo or sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong uh or the skinwalker um like are there any like more niche ones that you could tell us about that you might geek out about a bit um trying to think most of them are kind of iterations of those two to be honest um not all, but a good majority. Um, trying to think of things from my own tribes, like Arapaho. I think I forget the name of it, but there's a really creepy giant water serpent that's kind of reminiscent of Lovecraftian horror. Ooh. Um, that lived in like the Great Lakes. That um, I can't remember the name, but it would threaten kind of anyone. Uh, disrespecting the environment, you know, around the lakes. You know, if you go over there, you're gonna, you're gonna get handled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Um, Enough said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, man, I can't think of the top of my head. I guess just a, a deep cut that not a lot of people know about was the one I shared earlier uh, with Two Face. Yeah, the Two Face sounds yeah, really cool. That was a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like that one. I like yeah. how you made this Great Lakes uh, creature sound like a like a like a Swayze and Roadhouse. You're gonna get handled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't try nothing around Swayze. him. You'll get handled. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to hear a story about that one. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I'll try to write it. Yes. If you want to just do like Roadhouse, but with the creature as the Swayze character, there you, go. <laughs> you you have my full permission to run with that. I'll just rewrite Roadhouse. It's on air. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got permission. You have <laughs> permission to steal the plot of Roadhouse. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> that makes my job easy. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. Great suggestions. Excited to look more into some of those creatures that we mentioned, especially the Two-Face. Um, 
we have a just to wrap up our podcast our final segment of the show that we usually um we usually do before closing out is a segment we call uh what the fandom where we just kind of share something that we're just like into at the moment doesn't have to be related to anything we talked about just something we're like kind of digging we might think our listeners might enjoy and uh i did send i think i did send share this with you right shane yeah. Okay, good. Because I always forget this one when I'm starting to guess. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> but we'll still let you go last can, if you need to think about it. But uh, we'll let Khalid. Why don't you start us off, Khalid? What the fandom with you this week? Uh, I am frantically looking because I didn't actually have, I don't have one. Fandom. I don't have what the fandom this week. I've been busy working and like <laughs> making stuff. So my what the fandom is. That. Yeah, my what the fandom is me this week. I'm a fan of just. 34 years strong i'm still making stuff and stuff that i get excited about and i share with all my friends and yeah uh i don't want to jump the gun or anything but like in the next month or so i should have some new music coming out and that has been taking up a lot of my time lately so my what the fandom is nappy gilmore the rapper yes happy gilmore okay I'm really excited for this, Khalid. For listeners, Khalid's been sending me some of the tracks, like as he's like working through them, and it's been just a blast to hear them. So I'm, I would second that. Whenever that comes out, we're going to be very excited. Thank mm. you, Joe. I appreciate it. Uh, this didn't—I didn't mean for this to be like a back padding thing, but Shane, you really inspired me with you talking about your journey. <laughs> it's super cool to see how far you've come in such a short amount of time. And yeah, like we're about the Thank same you. age, so I. And uh, I I was born in Ethiopia and everything. So like I have my own like relationship with like writing and narrative in terms of like what it means for like culture and identity. And so I definitely uh, nice. a lot of what you were talking about resonated with me. So, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a hype up my work, too. Yeah. Keep on hustling, man. Don't stop. <laughs> you too. <laughs> uh, Joe, <clears throat> what the fandom with you? Oh, thanks for asking, Khalid. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I kind of, I feel you with the busyness, though. I have, a, I have a more regular one. One of the things I started recently, just because I have been like kind of busy, is I've, I've gotten back a little bit into audiobooks, um, just to put that in while I'm doing chores or like driving somewhere or doing something with the kids. But uh, I just started like I picked out kind of just like a obscure like fantasy book that i just thought look that i thought looked interesting um it's called child of the day star by bryce o'connor and it's about like um kind of like a lizard born creature who's adopted by like uh a group of like nomads and kind of learns their culture and like grows up and he's kind of like feared by a lot of people in like human communities and stuff so it's this kind of like Mm -hmm. interesting like child of two cultures story um i was initially drawn to it because i'm a a, i like to play in dungeons and dragons my character i played for a long time was like a dragonborn character i was like what are the stories out there with like dragonborn characters so i was kind of like drawn to it that way and i thought like it seemed kind of uh kind of pulpy and fun and like a little bit lighter so um which kind of felt like what i needed right now i thought that would be uh uh, fun so i'm about halfway through it the audio narrator is really solid he i'm not meaning this as an insult in any way but he reminds me of um kurtwood smith a lot who red foreman (laughs) for those of you he yeah. sounds just like him and I, I can't I can't get past that, but it's like it's kind of fun for me at this point. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's a I'm really enjoying that book. Um and uh I guess just going in the theme of like self-promo, I also uh have been doing a little bit uh getting back in the writing. Uh I do uh, writing for Twin Seas Geek. I have an article I'm currently working on about mm. like the science of misinformation that I'm really, really excited about. Um that's probably not quite ready to come out anytime soon, but uh, it'll be. I'm, I have a couple of interviews with some fascinating like researchers on the topic that I'm very excited to 
to to get that out there but uh maybe look i'll link that in the future so that's one thing i'm doing but anyway shane what's the fandom with you (laughs) uh you're gonna have to send me that article sounds cool um we'll do i've been hype about it since i'm a big fan (laughs) yeah yeah i'm a big fan of uh metal punk um hardcore um just kind of like since high school um so I love a good vocalist with uh, some grit and can really belt it out. A uh, band that I recently discovered is called Holding Absence. Hmm. And the album is called The Greatest Mistake of My Life. And this dude can sing. I mean, it's not hardcore. I'm not saying it's going to be metal. It's more like, um, man, even like maybe post-hardcore, but with such good vocals like he really belts it out like if he saw him live he'd probably be like tired after two songs maybe (laughs) um but i've been listening on repeat for maybe a month and a half wow (laughs) i can't stop listening to it it's really good (laughs) awesome well thanks for the recommendation yeah um before we close out shane is there like uh any like social medias you want to plug or um where people could find you um yeah um i'm on all of them i mean shoot there's so many now that's fine blue sky threads x um (laughs) i've always loved twitter the most but it's kind of dying now so i don't know what i'm gonna do um the best i think is shanehawk.com and i link all of them on there but um probably if you just google me there's like a (laughs) it's also a quick little uh rundown like a list on there yeah um but yeah shane hawk there's not that many Shane Hawks in the world. Uh, I'm the guy with the glasses, <laughs> but yeah, cool. I'll link your website in our show notes too, for sure. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. This was really interesting conversation, super enlightening. I'm really glad to finally have gotten the chance to like reach out and chat with you after, after a little while here. Um, love the book. Looking forward to checking out never whistle at night and whatever else you come up with. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I didn't know that you were looking for me for so long. <laughs> I've been here. Every every day, he'd just be shouting down the street, Shane. I search. I search. Where's Shane? <laughs> uh, yeah. The guy with the glasses? <laughs> uh, uh, Shane, yeah. Everything Joe said, double for me, except for searching for you. That was exclusively a Joe endeavor. <laughs> Um, but, but it was such a pleasure to have you on. This is such a great discussion. I'm excited to dive into your work as well. And yeah, thank you everyone at home for uh, listening to us and can't wait to get back into talking about creature features on the next episode. But until then, creep it easy. (laughs) 